Good morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing today? Hey, I got some good news. It's officially the Christmas season, so we can start to begin to play Christmas music. I'm from the camp. If it's Thanksgiving hasn't happened yet, Christmas music is not being played, so I just wanna say congratulations. Christmas music is now allowed to be played. Um, and I just hope and hope you are from the same camp as me. If I hear Christmas in October one more time, it's over. Uh, I'm, I'm moving south or something. I don't know. Um, I'm excited that you guys are here with us today. If you're guests, we want you to know one thing. You're welcome, accepted, and loved wherever you are in your faith journey. And I'm so glad that you have joined us. If you're watching online, thank you uh, for tuning in and watching. Even if it's just 30 seconds, I hope you are impacted uh, by what God is trying to do today. I want to thank you, Pastor Sheldon and Pastor Michelle, for entrusting me with this moment and allowing me to come and speak what's on my heart and what God's been doing in me and through me uh, the last couple of months. Can we give just our honor and praise to Pastor Sheldon and Michelle for the way they lead? Amen. Thank you so much. Um, man, they love us so much and they lead in such a way uh, that I would describe as a life-giving follower of Jesus. So thank you, man. Christmas. Yes. Man, I already have my Christmas list like created. How many of you guys have like a Christmas wish list and it's ready to go? How many of you guys have sent that off to someone? I'm the only one. I had it ready in October. And you guys are like, I don't, I get socks and underwear. Same thing every year. That's all I want. I same old, same old. I want clothes. Man, Christmas is about precedence. And I didn't say presence. I said precedence. I think the glory of Christmas comes down to this idea of precedence and, and precedence from God, things that God uh, has put in place. A precedent is an act in the past which may be used as an example to help decide the outcome of similar instances in the future. It's a, it's a legal term. And now I'm not remotely even knowledgeable about the 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 justice system and what goes into court cases and stuff. But I've heard the word precedence thrown around a couple of times. And what happens is, is a court will create a, a, a decision based on a case, right? They'll be going through a case and it'll, it'll be used as an example or authority for judges deciding similar issues later. So uh, a court could or a case could happen at a high level. And what would happen is, is they would go back and refer to that when a court case had a similar, uh, similar facts and similar statistics and things like that. They would look back and go, well, how do, we, how do we rule here? And they would go, okay, well, we should apply that to what's happening now. And my goal by the end of our time together is that we land at a place where we understand that God has set a precedence and we understand how that precedence plays into what God is doing in our lives today. Can we pray real quick? Lord, I thank you uh, for this moment together, Lord, for the Christmas season, Lord, uh, for the season of miracles. Lord, I ask today that you would give us a heart that's ready to receive everything you have for us. Lord, ears that are ready to hear your word. Lord, let today be uh, not, not a moment of, of a greatly crafted sermon and and one-liners and things that stick, Lord, but it would be a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, that you get all the glory today so that we can walk out knowing you better and growing closer to you. And so we give you all the praise and all the glory and what you're about to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, I'm excited. God has a way throughout the Bible, throughout the recorded stories, of showing his affinity towards using some of the least likely people 
to do the most incredible tasks. Over and over again, we see God work through the imperfect, the lacking, the weak, the underwhelming, and the dependent people. And I think God enjoys involving such people in his story because it positions them to depend on him to do what only he can do as they take his lead and choose to be obedient to what they make themselves available to do. Man, I'm thankful God has the lead this year. You see, Joseph being chosen by God to be the earthly father of Jesus, the Messiah, certainly qualifies as such involvement. And while Joseph uniquely was chosen by God to give glory to God in this role, this, this is a kind of a setup. This isn't new. We see it over and over again, and it's a precedence that we see in the Bible. It's a precedent that we see God using imperfect people to execute his perfect plan that leads to the, great, the greater glory of himself. I won't give you all the verses. I'm just going to give you chapters. In Genesis chapters 12 through 22, God calls Abram to leave his country and follow him to a place God would reveal along the way. God later changed Abram's name to Abraham. And now he may have been considered too old to follow God away into such a task because he was 75 years old when God invited him into the opportunity. And it would be another 25 years before Abraham would become a father of one. And this, this child would end up leading to be the father of many nations beyond the number of stars in the sky. It says in Genesis chapter 25 through 35, we see God using a cheater and the liar named Jacob to be a blessing of many people all throughout the earth. In Genesis chapters 37 through 50, God uses another Joseph, someone who would go through horrible abuse, trafficking, and injustice, eventually to be used by God to have influence and give leadership to the whole nation of Israel. A terrible season of life that included famine affecting God's people would be solved through Joseph being dependent, faithful, and open to being used by God in difficult circumstances. And then we get to the whole book of Exodus. The entire book of Exodus is a story of God using a man with a stutter named Moses to be the mouthpiece of God before Pharaoh who enslaved the people of God. And God chose to use Moses in supernatural ways to share a supernatural message and lead the Israelites out of Egypt through the wilderness and unto the doorstep of the promised land, Canaan. In Joshua 2, God decided to get glory through a woman named Rahab who was a prostitute. She was part of a plan to assist the Israelites in capturing the city of Jericho. That was a major factor in God's people moving forward into the promised land. Much of the Old Testament speaks and echoes stories of David. And while he was called a man after God's own heart, he's also known for the mistakes he made. When he committed uh, adultery with a married woman and, and then having her husband murdered after he found out that she was pregnant. And yet the place that plays such an integral role in the Christmas story is the city of Bethlehem, a.k.a. the city of David. And through the lineage of King David that would one day be born in the city of David came a baby by the name of Jesus. And when that day came, in the fullness of time, one man whom God chose to be present to welcome and hold the newborn king of kings and the Lord of lords, as this baby took his first breath on earth, was a carpenter from Nazareth named Joseph. Matthew's gospel describes Joseph as a just man, a right man, who was also just a man. And he had fears and second thoughts about continuing in the relationship that he was in with Mary once he found out that she was pregnant. 
And even worse, he knew it wasn't by him. And before Joseph ever ever stood in the stable of Bethlehem, holding God in the flesh after Mary gave birth, God first had to convince Joseph that he could do his assignment. That he could be the next precedent in God's great story that would end up leading to more great glory for God. In Matthew chapter one, verses 18 through 25, we see the, the Christmas story play out this way. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being just a man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and he took his wife but knew her not until he had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Can you imagine being Joseph? Like, I don't know about you, but like, find out your wife is pregnant and then you find out that it's not your child. And he's like, I know it's not mine. There, there is no way that it is my child. And now he's like, I know how much this, I know how bad this is gonna look. I know what's about to happen. Like when people find out what has happened here, there's gonna be so many questions and so many assumptions and so much drama. And I, and I can't do that to myself and I can't do that to Mary. And so you decide that the best way to go about this is just to divorce her quietly. And so Joseph has a plan and it's set. And he goes, I, I got it. I figured out how I'm gonna handle it. I, I got this. It'll be okay. And whatever's happening, like it'll be over. And then he goes to bed and he wakes up or he, he has a, a moment where he's dreaming and an angel appears to him and he tells him what he's going to name the baby and that the baby is gonna save people from their sin and this is all happening because a prophet spoke this and this is how it has to play out. I don't know, but this feels like a Hallmark movie. <laughs> and I know what Hallmark movies turn out to be because they're on all the time. Like Thanksgiving, Christmas, all the way through. And just the Hallmark channel never stops. It's always on in our house. And I feel like Joseph, like Joseph could be the main character of a Hallmark movie if I ever if I've ever seen one. And if I'm Joseph, I have a lot of questions. How could I possibly be in a relationship like this? Who will ever believe a story like this about a girl like Mary and a guy like me? I never asked for a relationship like this. What is everybody about to think? What is everybody gonna think of me? How are they gonna view me? When, he, when they find out my life is kind of jacked up. What are people gonna say about us when we realize we didn't, we didn't maybe do it the right way and, and they just assume that things aren't uh, the way they're supposed to be and they, and they get judgmental? How am I gonna do this? I'm not qualified to be a father. 
I'm not, I'm not ready. I don't have the skills for this. I didn't go to the parenting classes on the pamphlet they gave me. What am I going to do? Do you remember what Joseph, uh, what was said about Joseph in the video right at the end? It says, I understand that Joseph is radically underqualified for all he's about to encounter. But isn't that the type of people God uses? The most unlikely folks to do the biggest things. And it seems like those are the ones he always picks because he is a God who will never give up on us. Man, qualify, underqualified. You guys ever wonder and see how often we qualify ourselves? Like in our social circles or even to God, we try to qualify like we're, we're worthy of the attention we're in. We try to be worthy of the people we're surrounded by, like we've earned the spot where we get into the certain group of people and we just begin to start flexing our, our accolades. Even when we meet somebody for the first time, we could walk up and the first thing is, hey, nice to meet you. What do you do? And we place value on the achievements of people and we try to qualify ourselves and earn a spot in a social circle and we'll flex our, our jobs, how much money we make, how spiritual we are. You get in small group and you get in your life groups and you're like, I read the entirety of the New Testament three days in a row. And you just, you flex how much Bible knowledge you've got. And we do this to find some validation and qualify what we're doing. We flex how many cool trips we've been on. Uh, one book I've been reading called uh, The Second Mountain describes this as the Instagram life. We try to live a life that's so cool, that is so full of, of accolades and we can put all these things on Instagram so people just see how cool we are all the time. And I wonder how many of us feel radically underqualified because we think God cares about how qualified we are. I wonder if we, we're so focused on what the expectation of people is that we forget what the expectation of our father is and that he's not attached to the idea of how ready we are or prepared we are to do things for him or how qualified we are. Good news is, is God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. And I'm here to submit to you that God has a purpose for your life, that he wants you something in the day-to-day he wants you to do something and he's preparing you for it. How many of us have convinced ourselves that we're not good enough for God? How many of us, because of how jacked up we are today, have convinced ourselves that we're not even worthy to be used by God? I have good news for you. God's love is not based on how good you act. It's based on who you are or who he is. Let me read that again. God's love is not based on how good you act. It's based on who he is. Your brokenness is not a surprise to God. The precedent has already been set. Brokenness is not a new concept to God. The Bible over and over again uses broken people, radically underqualified people for his purpose. He's not in love with the future you. He's not in love with the more Christian version of you. He's not in love with the cleaned up, the version of you that doesn't cuss as much. He's in love with the you you are right now. And as we begin to let him into who you are right now, not the person you pretend to be, the person you truly are, what happens is that all of a sudden he meets you right where you're at. And, but guess what? He doesn't leave you there. 
He doesn't meet you and leave you there. God's love, God's grace begins to carve a path and it's not up for you to plot the path and chart the path and plan the direction you're headed. It's up for you to trust the prompting of the Holy Spirit and trust the love and allow that love that loved you before you ever even knew it was chasing you to direct your path. It's up to the love that loved you before you even knew it was chasing you to lead you into the life it created for you to live. You're the kind of person that God desires to use this Christmas season. He wants you to know that like Joseph, he desires you to trust him and to not be afraid in your circumstances. Day by day, you can find courage and strength as you follow God's lead in your life to do what he wants you to do and say what he wants you to say. You have been identified by God to be the only one in your unique circumstances and situations who can bring him the kind of glory he uniquely desires from you. He regularly uses those who find themselves in the less than ideal circumstances to bring him the greatest glory uniquely have been positioned to step into what God has created for you, to not be afraid, trust in God and make yourself fully available to him no matter what happens. Here's the thing. We have a part in this. There is a part we play in the story. Like Joseph, there's some things that we can learn. There's some things that God has entrusted us with. There's some things that he's made us responsible for. And the first thing that he's entrusted us with is our obedience. I think God is asking us daily to be committed to his processes, plans, and his prompting. If we look at Matthew chapter one, verse 24, we watch as Joseph makes a commitment to God's plan. It says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. Man, this entire story with Joseph, Joseph has a plan and he had the direction and he knew he was gonna marry and then he finds out and his life is disrupted. Not just interrupted, but disrupted. What happens, like I think of it this way, right? Interruption, okay, interruption. Interruption is we're leaving today and we're gonna go get food and on the way there, we have to go somewhere else, right? Man, we run out of gas. Our plan to go to, the, to, to, to Bruce Brothers or go to Milwaukee Burger Co. or Red Robin after this has been interrupted because we have to stop and get gas. The end place is still that place where I'm gonna get the most inhumane amount of food possible after Sunday service because I showed up to church and I deserve it. That's interruption. Disruption is we're getting ready to leave and then suddenly you find out that our best friend is maybe in the hospital. And what happens is now we're on the way to the hospital. We've been disrupted. Disruption charts a new point B. Joseph's life is disrupted. He ha he's going a different direction. And what happens is Joseph had to say no to what he wanted and yes to what God was trying to do. Author of the second mountain says, David Brooks, he says this, he says, if you aren't saying a permanent no to anything, giving anything up, then you probably aren't diving, and diving into anything fully. If you aren't saying a permanent no to anything or giving anything up, then you probably aren't diving into anything fully. 
What would it look like if you were to dive fully into what God is trying to do in you and through you? What would it look like if we were okay on the day-to-day, if we were okay with our plans being disrupted by God? If we woke up each day and went, God, I got plans, I got things I gotta do, I gotta pick up groceries at three o'clock. But if you wanna do something else, I'm here for it. I'm ready for it. God, I, I have my plans. I got a coffee meeting at seven. And then I got something at nine and 10. But God, if you want to wipe the entire schedule clear, be my guest. What would that look like if our obedience was so open that we allowed God to disrupt the day-to-day plans that we have? The second thing that we have been entrusted with is our passions and our talents and the things that God has given us in our, our goals, right? He's entrusted us with our talents. There's a moment in the Bible where Jesus has just kind of got done teaching and, and he goes to sit down for lunch and this huge crowd appears. And one of the disciples goes, how are we gonna feed all these people? We see it in John chapter six, verses eight and nine. You can write that down in your notes. It says, then Andrew, Simon's Peter, Simon Peter's brother spoke up. It says, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is this with this huge crowd? We, we talk about the story and I love it because we're like, oh God, I'll multiply everything that you give him. And we turn it into this like really good feel good message. Like if you just give everything to God, he'll multiply it. Somebody said amen. Like, and we, and we do it in this, like, this prosperity thing. But oftentimes we miss the little boy. The, the, the faith of the little boy who walked up and said, hey, this is all I got. I don't have a lot, God, but, but I got some bread and I got some fish and, and all I've got, can you do something with this? If, if you, would, you, would you just take this thing that I have and, and do something with it? And I wonder how often we don't approach God with the things that he's given us, the talents and allowing him to use it for his glory. Sometimes we have a lot of talents. And and in church world, sometimes we can focus on the ones that are cool, like public speaking and musicians. And don't get me wrong, that's all great. Love it. Can we give it up for the worship team one time? I have zero musical talent. And uh, if you got me up here, it would be bad. But then I think there's some talents that people have that, that we just don't think God, that, that God can use. I sat in on an innovation summit and they're talking about how people are using video games and people are coming to Jesus through video games. This is a crazy story and I don't know where you stand on video games. I just know what God is doing. And I met a guy and he's a video game. He plays video games. He's a streamer on, on a website. And what happens is he used to be a campus pastor at a church in Texas. He felt God calling him into the mission field and saying, hey, I want you to play video games and reach people for me because you have the talent. And what happens is he went to his lead pastor and he said, this sounds crazy. And he stepped down as the campus pastor and it took a financial hit. And this is what this lead pastor did. He goes, 
This sounds crazy. I've never seen it done. But I feel like God is asking us to take you on as our first digital missionary. And through this guy playing video games and talking to people, and he still pastors people just online, man, God is doing incredible things in his community. Just because he said yes to the talent that he had and he followed and was obedient to what God was asking him to do. What other people see as not enough, God sees as a miracle waiting to happen. Sometimes we're afraid to use the thing God has given us because we're afraid of what others think and our need to meet other people's expectation prevents us from really being obedient to God and from using the talents God wants to bless. See, God's given you talents, given you passions, and God wants to take all the talent and the passion you have, redeem them, take the good things out of them, and then use them for his glory. And I just wonder, what is that thing that God's given you that you've not really even fully utilized because you felt like it wasn't a space for it or there wasn't a, a place that there was an expectation around it that, that you couldn't use it? And I think God wants to redeem things and bless them and allow it to be used for his glory. And then the third thing that we've been entrusted with is the image of Jesus. The concept behind Christian is to be a little Jesus. Genesis chapter 127 says, so God created human beings in his own image. Now I'm not saying God created us physically in the image of him. But human beings are created with unique abilities absent from every other creature on earth that mirror the divine nature of God. To be made in the image of God means we are to be the visible reflection of an invisible God. And that means to walk like him, to desire like him, to want like him, to talk like him, to care like him, to listen like him. It's not enough to, to merely be about having a Christian worldview and a lens in which you view the world, but it's about how you walk through the world in which you view. It's not enough just to know the Bible but are we being a daily reflection of it to the people that we encounter on the day-to-day -day basis? When you walk into the grocery store, are you walking in with love or are, are we really annoyed because we forgot the mayo and we can't forget the mayo? How are you walking through this world on the day-to-day? -day? Are people seeing you as a visible reflection of an invisible God. 1 Corinthians 13 says this, this is how important love is to us. This is how important it is to walk with a spirit of love. It says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but did not love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I mean, church, some of us have some talents and some passions. Some of us love to, I can't wait to tell you what God is doing. And, I got, I, and we get up here and church, you can't believe it. Look at what God is doing out here. It's so crazy, right? We come out here and he's doing so many amazing things. And it just sounds like a noisy gong because we've not had love. And we've completely ignored what God is trying to do through us because we've walked around without love. In Matthew chapter one, verse 20, it says, the angel of the Lord said to Joseph in his dream, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. 
How would you fill in that blank this Christmas season as you think about your life and the responsibilities before you? Do not be afraid to. Do not be afraid to step out of your comfort zone and, and go pray for that person. Don't be afraid to lean into somebody's world and add value to them in a way that is just servant-hearted. What has God entrusted you with that you are radically underqualified to carry? What has God positioned you in a place where there is a dependency that is needed? Because whether we like it or not, whether we're uncomfortable with the idea, God has placed us all in unique situations. I can't, read the, I can't reach the people as well as you have uh, the ability to reach people in your circle. They may not come to church and listen to me, but they'll listen to their friend. And I just wonder walking out of here, what situation have you been planted in? What talent have you been given? What is God prompting you to do that you are radically underqualified to carry and you need God to carry you through it? What would that look like this Christmas season? Uh, if you're like me, you feel radically underqualified. And I want you to know that you're in good company from a precedent standpoint. Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, David, and Mary's husband, Joseph, all can identify with you in some way or another. And he finds great joy. His people choose to trust him and see how he will come through if they're only will leave the outcome to God rather than try and control the situation that's way beyond human capacity and understanding. My question is, is will you choose to make yourself available to God? Walking out of this auditorium today, the landing spot is God, I'm gonna be obedient. God, I'm gonna use my talents. And God, I'm gonna be a, a, a visible reflection of an invisible God. Would you allow God to set a precedent through you? Will you be like Joseph and choose to trust and not be afraid to step forward with God regardless of how inadequate you may feel? Will you be available to be the next precedent God can point to when others find themselves feeling similar emotions that you may feel today? That's the decision. I'm gonna ask everybody to bow their heads just to create a moment of, of intimacy here. My question for you, there are some of you who so feel inadequate in the situation that you find yourself in. You're not good enough. You don't feel like you have the right words. You don't feel like you have the talents. You feel like you don't mean anything to somebody or, or the people around you and you feel underqualified for everything you are carrying, the burdens, the hurt, the, the responsibilities, and you've been trying to do it by yourself for too long. And I know when we hit the Christmas season, everything moves a whole lot faster. Are you done trying to carry it yourself? and trust God and become a precedent. And if that's you today, I, I fully believe that this is a season of miracles. I believe God is working and the Holy Spirit is moving even right now as hearts are being changed. 
And I wanna give you the opportunity to trust in the only thing that'll carry you through these moments. And so if that's you, if you're like, God, I, 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 need, I need help. I need you to carry me through this. And if you wanna make the decision to be obedient to what God is asking you to do, with every head bowed and every eye closed, right now, would you just be obedient in the moment? Take the first step and just raise your hand. Amen. Let me pray for you real quick and we'll close and, and we'll walk out of here and see if God disrupts our plans this morning. Lord, I thank you for every hand that was raised. Lord, I ask in this moment, Lord, that you would begin to carry us through this season of chaos. Lord, that you would carry us in the places that we feel inadequate and underqualified. Lord, when we're in the moments where we're not sure where we're headed, we're in the uncertainty. When we don't know what you're doing and we don't have all the answers, Lord, would you carry us through it? In Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna go one step further with this. Some of you have been following the Lord and that's great and we just ad admitted that, hey, we need some more help. But there's some people in this room who have not made that decision for the first time. There are some people in this room who say, I need a savior. I, 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 I've been going really through it and something has to change. And if that's you, if, if you need the love, if you need to experience the love of God for the first time, the type of love that loves you right where you're at right now, I wanna give you the opportunity to do that. In, in newsflash, this love, you didn't earn it, you didn't deserve it. He freely gives it because he cares. The only thing that we have to do is understand that God, because he loved us so much, sent his one and begotten son in the form of a baby raised by a man named Joseph to die on the cross for everybody in this room and everybody everywhere. And that not only did he die on the cross three days later, he was resurrected. When death was defeated, if that's you, if you're in a season of life where you need to make the decision for the first time, every head bowed, every eye closed, if you need to make the decision for the first time, would you raise your hand? I'm gonna pray. We're gonna pray this together as a group uh, because we're family and that's what family does. We support each other. So Lord, we need you. We need a savior. We understand that the, the season we're in is scary. Uncertainty is abound everywhere we go. Lord, and we can't do it on our own anymore. We acknowledge that your son died on the cross for us and that he resurrected three days later so that you and I could have a relationship. And today we want that relationship. Lord, begin to change our hearts, change our minds. Help us to be obedient. Help us to use our talents. 
and help us to reflect the image of you in our daily lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just celebrate what has happened, the decision that's been made? Come on.